Well, I, I actually, now that I see it, it's whatever. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody, to Weekly Manga Recap. It's October the 16th of 2019. I am Nick, here with a hand. and Not uh, a hand, Nick. The Spookmaster uh, General is here. <laughs> well, I hope that putting on all that face paint was worth it. Actually, actually, I can hear Nicole laughing from outside, so I think that I think that it was actually completely worth it. So there you go. So, let me tell you a couple things. <laughs> really, there's a backstory behind this. So first, I was like, "I'll be a spooky clown." Didn't think it would come out nearly as juggalo as it did. <laughs> but then I was also like, "Hey." Chris Jericho's kind of got like the crossing he does over his eyes. He does. So I'll yes. try that a little bit just on the sides going out. Didn't realize it really just makes it look like I have really fabulous mascara going across. You look like so many things right now. <laughs> but I'm the Spookmaster General! You look like that uh, that guy. Oh gosh, what's his name? The, the uh, guy who died recently. The role that he had in like thousand, House of a Thousand Corpses. Or the... Yeah. Well, as you know, Nick, the Spookmaster General is already dead. Okay. And there are a great many tidbits to tell you about the Spookmaster General, and I will relay them to you all throughout the evening as we reveal the true backstory of the Spookmaster General. I mean, I thought we were going to get this last week, but all right. No, I actually wrote things down this time. Oh, okay. Yes. There are so many things that people are saying you look like in the chat. Juggalo, Hidan from Naruto, Mm -hmm. Pennywise Light. Mm -hmm. If only Aaron rules 380 realizes. No, no, no. It's 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 the Spookmaster General, obviously. Yeah. General, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this one's. This this guy's got it. Okay, so. I hope that you're prepared to wear that for the next two plus hours. So, uh, yeah. Nick, the Spookmaster General is only getting stronger as the minutes go closer to All Hallows Eve. Mm-hmm. Although, he's noticing that his eyes are tearing up a little bit, and he's worried. He's got to start running. He t- well, he's worried that if he touches, it's going to get into his eyes. And, oh... Uh, he can endure all sorts of torture, but uh, it maybe appear quite less masculine if he's like, ow, <laughs> the grease paints in my oh, eyes. My eye. It's in my eyesies. Should I br- should have brought a handkerchief or something like that? Why? Who needs it? Let's start talking about this <laughs> monk, <Nick. laughs> <laughs> all right oh man so we read a manga for this week for halloween month yes um that uh probably doesn't sa- thank you phone it probably doesn't sound very halloween appropriate on uh just first uh indication it's called happy sugar life which is about the love that uh, a teenage girl has for this uh, for this for this tiny little girl that she adopts. Oh, isn't that sweet? Uh-huh. Um, 
our protagonist is a girl named Sato who uh, has a reputation in school for kind of fooling around with a lot of boys. But uh, one day she just decides to stop doing all of that uh, because she has found uh, this person that she wants to dedicate her entire life to loving. And it turns out that someone is like a, I don't know, five-year-old girl. She can't be very old because she is incredibly innocent. She's very tiny, too. Uh-huh. And uh, Sato wants to just live with her and uh, just keep her in a castle and maintain their happy sugar life. This mm-hmm. life that is so sweet and wonderful uh, that she wants to never give it up. Which is why she kidnapped this girl and locked her away in this apartment, which is owned by a guy that she killed so that they could use it to live together in secret. Yay. That's how it goes. Um, it's very scary when you have that premise and not just a series where two people find happiness with each other. Mm-hmm. I-, I have to say. Um, Nick, look into the spook bastard general's eyes when you talk. All right, fine. Spookness in general. Uh, I have to say, like, this is a rough read for me. It's not because the series is bad or because it's scary or that it's in general. I've just been having not a great week. Mm -hmm. Um, Work's just been kind of a bummer. And with that kind of attitude, I can't read a series like this. It has nothing to do with what Sato does in order to maintain her happy sugar life. Uh, it is the fact that virtually everyone in the universe this manga takes place in is just an asshole. Yeah, uh, th- th- this this manga is uh, dominated. It's it's not a happy manga. Let me let me express no. that this is a, a pretty bleak series. Uh, if you have a favorite character, and I'm shocked you do, because nobody's particularly <laughs> likable. Uh, be prepared for them to not have a happy ending. And uh, the the interesting thing is that uh, the main, like the core cast are kind of bad people. Mm-hmm. But basically everyone else they meet are somehow much worse as well. Yes. To a shocking degree. So Sato is... Um, she's a, she's a serial killer, basically. Uh, she kills multiple, multiple times in this series, butchers people, chops up their bodies so that they don't get discovered, uh, all for the sake of protecting this happiness that she has with Shio. And in some cases, uh, it makes sense why she does it. Uh, they are going to discover, uh, Shio. Or they're going to, they have done something bad that she takes vengeance for. Uh, in one case early on, however, literally like an ex-boyfriend of hers uh, tries to use his discovery of the fact that he has, you know, kid, she has kidnapped this small girl and is keeping her in her this apartment uh, to try and blackmail her so that he can uh, you know get back together with her. And uh, when he realizes, oh, this girl's a psychopath who could kill me. Uh, he tries to be like, oh, I won't tell anyone. And she's just like she's the reason that she decides to kill him is not because uh, she doesn't believe him, although she probably doesn't. But because when she heard Shio talking about him, Shio smiled and she's like, she spoke your name and was happy about you. And I can't allow that. I can't allow her to get close to anyone else. And so she kills him. 
So she is way off the deep end. Mm-hmm. However, in order to maintain her position as the protagonist, even though she is a bad person, and in order to keep you kind of rooting for her to get her way, uh, because the affection that she feels for Shio is weird and messed up, but she does genuinely care about her. Um, the people that she kills are all worse than her. <laughs> they are rapists. They are sexual molesters. They are pedophiles. And so it's okay to kill them. Which basically means that this entire world that these characters live in is just shitty uh, and is full of people abusing each other, cycles of abuse, prim- almost except for the truly monstrous people, basically everyone in the series who is an abuser has at some point been abused themselves. Uh, so I don't know exactly how society has maintained itself in this series because it seems as though everyone is just trying to get their own and is willing to kill everyone else in order to get it. And that's what's depressing about it and why I couldn't read all of it. Uh, I skipped around quite a bit in order to get through this because it's just not... It, it's just it, like it's bleak. It, it, it it, that's that's what it monumentally is. Monumentally bleak. Uh, the, the perfect example that I can think of is we're pretty quickly like the entire premise of the first chapter is kind of showing us everything that we realize. Oh, hey, uh, Sato uh, is definitely kidnapped this child. Uh, she is definitely like psychopathic. She is definitely insane. And there definitely seems to be an implication that she's already killed people to this point. We don't know how many, uh, but there's definitely something very unnerving. There's this very small, innocent child living with her. So it's a very dangerous situation. And somehow, by just the process of constantly having her interact with more awful people, she's the hero of the story for a little bit where you're like, I mean, I don't want to root for you, but your teacher's like a weird fucking creep who's trying to fuck you with blackmail and all sorts of like weird shits going like everyone they meet is monumentally awful to the point where you're like I guess this like psychopathic murdering like serial killing kidnapper is my hero for a little bit (laughs) at least Sato has conviction you know like because she keeps on getting all these moments where she'll like dress down the people who are worse than her and just show like, you know, they're actually really small people who aren't willing to go as far as they, you know, should in order to get what they want. And Sato is uh, like, you know, the very first person that she confronts, it's uh, I don't believe she kills this person. She just blackmails her. Yeah. But um, so. In order to, you know, earn enough money that she can, you know, like take care of Shio in this apartment, she um, gets a second job. And so she's working at the second job and this guy thinks that she's cute and asks her out. And he's like, no, no, I I'm, uh, thank you. But no, I've got someone that I that I like I'm not telling anyone that it's, you know, like a five or six year old girl. Um, but as a result of this. Uh, the guy, Matsuzaka, gets a little kind of, you know, like bummed out and a little bit embarrassed because he asked her out basically in front of everyone like an idiot and got rejected. Um, 
or I think that someone saw it and just kind of spread the rumor around. So as a result of that, um, that happens. And then their boss uses that as an excuse to kind of take him into her office and, uh, rapes him and ties him up and stuffs him in the closet because she is upset that someone who works under her isn't showing love back to her. And they have shown someone else love instead of showing it to her. So she's raping him in order to get him to love only her. And so then she confronts Sato uh, after like forcing her to do a bunch of work to make up for Matsuzaka, who's missing his shifts because, you know, he's tied up naked in the closet uh, and she's not paying her anymore. And she's like, yeah, it only makes sense. You you cause trouble here, so you have to make up for it. And Sato's like, you're a really small person. And just like completely dresses her down, um, knows exactly what's going on. And the manager has this big freak out and just like, how dare you? I I deserve to be loved. And, I, and that's why I raped him and tied him up and stuffed him in the closet. And Sato's just like, you know, secretly recording her on her phone. And she's like, ah, how d- no, no. And it's like, you're not very good at this. <laughs> this is a teenage girl who immediately outwitted you. Yeah. But just by like very easily provoking you and recording on her cell phone. And she keeps on doing that. Sato is not a very likable person, but by virtue of simply being less unlikable than everyone else. Yeah, you kind of do end up rooting for her because, yeah, she's not doing great things, but at least she's good at doing those not great things. <laughs> yeah, I so the the, the go to example I use uh, when, like, thinking about this series is there's a, a chapter relatively early on where Sato or not Sato, uh, Shiho gets out. She leaves the house and she's looking for Sato. There's a whole thing going on it's not really relevant uh and she's wandering around and she's found by uh mitsuboshi i think is his name uh, the guy you were just talking about it, he's a fucking loser and one of the worst parts of the series uh by the way by the way there are so many names in this series that are similar to other names yeah shio and sato so hard to talk about shio and sato, shio, sato Saka, psycho like Mitsuboshi and Matsuzaka. I think that Matsuzaka is actually Sato's name. I don't know. I can't. I couldn't get keep it straight, and I literally just kind of like divide it up into guy who's creepy for this reason, yeah. guy who's creepy for this reason, girl who's creepy for this reason. So, so uh, Mitsubosho or Mitsubosho finds her, uh, finds Shiho, and he's like, he's he's obsessed with her because he's seen pictures of her, and she represents this love to him, this innocent love. That can fix him because now he has a fear of women after everything that ha- uh, older women when after everything that happened. So he's like, "I'll I'll help you. I'll get you back home. Like I'll I'll protect you." Then and it's like this moment of like, "Oh, what's gonna happen?" And then a bunch of bullies show up and they knock him over the head and they beat the shit out of him. And meanwhile, Shio has like a panic attack because she suffered some pretty deep stuff in her childhood and she screams. And the bullies stop beating up Mitsubosho and are like, "Oh my god, there's a little girl here." And I, I kind of understood. I was like, look, they're not going to help her. They're bullies. They're they're just trademark bullies. But they bring up, they're like, oh, hey, isn't that the girl who's been on all the missing wanted posters? We should bring her into the police station. Not because it's a good deed, but because we'll get a reward. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Logical. Then, then the, Logical thing. Then they just abruptly were like, 
No, that won't work. Hey, let's find that homeless guy that's around here and beat him up too. And that's their, like, that was their train of thought. Was there like, we could help this little girl out. No, let's beat up that homeless guy instead. Well, said homeless guy was the person they saw passing out the posters and yeah. stuff to people. But it's, because he's looking for her. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was really weird. It's like, I know what we'll do. We'll get a reward if we do this. No, we won't. But that one guy was looking for her and we could beat him up more. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just like, all right, so he's they're just the worst of the worst so that we can have somebody who's somehow at a lower tier of humanity than the girl who kidnaps and murders people for a, uh, for a living. So, yes, Uh Look, I, I I think there's a part of it that's interesting. Um, the, the manga is trying to say some stuff about, like, I guess there is like a reason for why these characters do everything. It it all comes down to mostly abusive relationship in your past and mm-hmm. the twisted getting... the twisted relationship of love that gets in people's heads, basically. Um, and it's it's intriguing. It's interesting. Um. I just don't know if it's like you have to be really into some bleak shit to be able to read this series, come out the other end mm-hmm. and be like, thank goodness I read that, you know? Um, Yeah, I, I think that you have to have the right mindset for it. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are. Uh, I think that the target demographic for this series is people who are like into, you know, true murder stories and kidnapping uh, stories and stuff like that. You know, the kind of real world like disturbing stuff that people do actually get up to and i have to say like i personally would have enjoyed the series more if it were worse uh-huh. uh i have to say that because nothing about this series like i i think that it is very well done i think that it is a very well told story and it is just not my speed in any way shape or form i could not get into this just because it's not my type of thing now if sato had instead of, you know, occasionally having to kill someone with a, you know, knife and then chop of their body and dispose of them. If she just, you know, like ran around screaming about how much she loved Shio and she was going to protect their happy sugar life and chop people up with a chainsaw for no reason, I would have probably liked this a lot more. It would have been more entertaining to me because it would have been more nonsensical. Yes. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I do enjoy those types of horror a lot more. Where you make like a monster and you just have them do mm-hmm. crazy, stupid stuff and you kind of laugh at it. This one you really can't laugh at, although there are times where it really tries to put a joke in. Like mm-hmm. when Mitsubushi, uh, basically, uh, Sato wants to get Mitsubushi, uh, Mitsuboshi to work for her. So her way of doing it is to throw one of Shiho's socks at him. So he'll be like, oh, it's a socks. I've been graced by her goddess, goddess's love. And it's like he's floating on air and you're like, this man is deeply disturbed. This is a very it like is. terrible relationship that they're in. I don't know why we're making a joke of this right now. Uh, but that's what they do. And, you know, I think maybe the pacing is partially also why I kind of couldn't get into this series super well. There's weird points where, like, a chapter will be dedicated to a character who, to my knowledge, never shows up again. Like, there's one girl who has a crush on Sato who breaks into her locker. And Sato finds out it's her and the girl knows everything. She's like, hey, you're you're falsifying your information at work. You're not actually living with your aunt, are you? What's the situation? And Sato realizes she likes her. 
So she puts on the charm and starts putting on the moves and basically charms her into being like, yeah, I kind of like you, but, you know, I thought it was kind of weird that you looked into me like this. She's like, oh, I'll never do it again. And I don't recall ever seeing that character again. And I was kind of just like, what a weird chat. Like, I guess it shows how Sato uses kind of like mm-hmm. the rumors about her and her past experiences to her advantage. But like, I, it felt weird to base it like an entire chapter on that one dilemma when you're like none of this really mattered that much it does add to the series sato's personality because she has that effect on people where everyone thinks that she's just this beautiful friendly open person but she has this side to her that is fiercely protective of the thing that she actually loves and so she'll she's got that you know kind of uh, Cheshire smile kind of thing going on where she'll just be giving this very happy smile and you don't know exactly what's going on in her head, but you know that it's probably bad. Yeah. Uh, you don't know exactly what um, is going on between her and uh, Shio because she clearly thinks that what she feels for Shio is genuine love. But at the same time, she's like forbidding her from leaving the apartment. She gets uh, an exterior lock to put on the door so that uh, Shio can't get out. So it's a very selfish sort of love. And you just kind of keep on thinking, like, is this going to get to a point where she's going to do something to this girl? Um, And so there's that constant element of unease about her and stuff like that. So, like I say, she's very well done. The series is very well done. I would have liked it. If she were worse, uh, just sort of right. If she were just, you know, a crazy clown. Garrett, that, you know, like, what are you saying? All clowns have to be crazy, Nick? Is that what you're insinuating? I, no, I said crazy clown. Therefore, there are clowns that aren't crazy. Okay. Otherwise, that would have been a redundant descriptor. Very good. This is acceptable that the spook bastard general accepts your apology. Um, fair enough. <clears throat> um. So how many characters in the series can I even name that like weren't abused I mean, or abusive or are abusive themselves and don't get killed? Wow, I think there's like I was one. Say that. <laughs> the only person I could really name was her friend. And then she got yeah. killed. So <laughs> spoilers. Um, there is like the actual hero of the story turns out to be Shio's uh, older brother who is this homeless kid who is looking for her. Um, and he just keeps on getting the shit knocked out of him. It's kind of hard to root for him because he just, Kiana shows up. And he's like, I've got to find her. And boom, 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 these two random bullies just kick his ass for no goddamn reason. Um, Sato considers killing him at one point because uh, she knows that he was close to Shio in the past. And so she's fiercely protective of that feeling. She's jealous of it. Um, there's a whole weird thing where like Sato and Shio get married, quote unquote. Yeah, there's a lot of marriage vows being exchanged mm-hmm. throughout the series. They have a ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wear rings for each other, and like Shio's just kind of going along with everything, but she because she's not all there. Like it's never said exactly what's going on with her, but clearly there was something wrong with her relationship with uh, her parents. And we find out a little bit about it, but not all of it. Um, We get enough to glean. The father was an alcoholic who was abusive (laughs) and the mother kind of just snapped eventually. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, so, yay, she's not all there. So she's kind of the one person that Sato could have taken that would, you know, have cooperated with it at all because she's very happy with Sato um, because she kind of just forgets about the other people in her life um, because of the trauma that she's been through already. And Sato's got a weird whole messed up parental thing, too. And it's really a story about, like, how cycles of abuse continue and how uh, people have to find their own definition of love. And sometimes that definition of love is messed up. And, uh, yeah. It's not a very happy I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't call this it's a horror. Disturbing. I wouldn't call this it's a horror disturbing. series, at least not in the way that I tend to look at horror. It's suspense. It's only horror because she kills a couple people, but yeah. it's a lot it's a more. Th- it's a thriller. Yeah, it's a lot I mean, more psychological thriller. It reminds me a bit of Bastard. Um, yeah. The one with the serial killer father. But that one, you know, had like an optimistic tone for it that kind of carried us through and got to the end. It's like, oh, I want this kid to, you know, actually like escape from under his father's influence and stuff. And is he going to be able to do that? And in this, it's like, oh, there's no one that I really (laughs) I want. I hope that the little girl lives through this. And she kind of does. The implications at the end isn't particularly good, but. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, read this. If you are if you hear us talking about it and think that you would be into it, uh, I'm not sure exactly what that would entail, though. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned it before, though. There's going to be some people who are going to be into this sort of series. And there are people who actually do enjoy that style of like horror or kind of like dreadful storytelling. Not dreadful isn't like bad, but like just there's no sense of hope within it or anything. Deliberately. Like. Yeah, deliberately invokes dread. Yeah, yes. So you definitely like anyone who's into that, I think will enjoy this. Cause you said this, this is a well-written series, uh, you know, outside of the fact that I feel like a, there was too much time spent pushing how much worse everyone else is around them, except the main characters. Like to just, it feels weird that we needed to like make people worse than them because there isn't really a great protagonist in this series. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, outside of that, it's still really solid. We haven't really talked too much on the ant, but the ant doesn't really need it. She's also a very bad person who does a lot of very awful things. And she's the main reason why Shiho or Sato is the way she is right now. Allegedly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, go into the recap portion. We can manga recap. Why don't we? Oh, Nick. Perhaps or we perhaps... give some insight into the Spookmaster General's character. For you, I mean, it's, for you it's, see, it's Nick, the Spookmaster General was born in the most twisted and depraved place in America, a Hardy's bathroom. Oh, okay. And his full name is Spookmaster Jebediah Heist Oswaldo Buenstein. And he earned the rank of General for his brave service in the Monsters Against Attractive Teenagers Trying to Have Sex in Creepy Location Wars. <laughs> I got a triple stab purple heart for that. <laughs> triple stab purple mm-hmm. heart. Alright. So. More spooky lore for the, for the Spookmaster's origins coming up in the future. Let's talk about my hero, Captain Amy. <laughs> 
Chapter number 246, <laughs> message. I look like a sexy vibe when I have the mask up here. I'm like, Ooh. No, you don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that. So this uh, chapter opens with a cool two-page color spread. It's Deku and a bunch of girls going through TVs and stuff. Why? Because season four by Eric Academia is here. Kind of. It started with a recap episode. That Nick it's a great was, way to do That Nick was not too happy about. No. So, oh, okay. Okay. This is the most Nick thing I can do. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I did this already. But watch the recap uh, that's at the start of My Hero Academia season four. And the framing device is that there is an investigative journalist who goes to uh, UA to try and figure out who All Might's successor is. Because there's that thing that All Might said where, you know, he points at the camera. He's like, now it's your turn. And so he's like, he's got he's gotten on to the idea. He basically has read the manga already and knows where this is going. And so he figures that he's actually talking directly to the person he's chosen as his successor. And so he's like, well, All Might became a teacher at UA. So his successor is probably there. He's very close to the members of Class 1A. So it's probably among them. And. More than likely, it's one of the people who was impressive during the sports festival. So he went he's like these six kids in one a made it to the to the finals of the sports festival. Now, what he actually meant, because the finals of the sports festival were a 16 man ladder tournament and there were 12 people from one a in it. So what he probably meant was the people who made it to the quarterfinals. Of which. There were seven members of Class 1A, not six. And the one person that he didn't think was potentially All Might's successor was the one girl who made it that far, Ashido. So, random bit of like, no, the girl can't be important for some reason. And I, it was, I can tell you this much, it was not because they didn't have enough time in the episode for him to investigate every, every lead that the guy could have possibly had. Because he spends all of one minute narrowing down those six people to just Deku. So I don't know why they just were like, no, no, whatever. Just Tokoyami, Ida, Zabakugo, Kirishima. Who's an Ashido? It was weird. Who needs her? It's not like she plays an important role in somebody's backstory this very season. (laughs) So. Getting back to the present of My Hero Academia, uh, we had just heard the villains and the Liberation Front. I forget what they call themselves now. It's a weird name. Oh, the paranormal something? Yeah, it's weird. It's worse than the League of Villains. Anyway, so we had heard Hawks overhearing them uh, talk about their plan for Shigaraki to use his quirk to destroy everything, basically. And uh, we see Shigaraki talking with the doctor about uh, his quirk and how it has changed, evolved in the last battle, and how he can now disintegrate things that are connected to the object that he touches as well. So he's like, I've got no more need to use delicate moves, but this boost has not made me unbeatable because, you know, Bredestro still alive, obviously. Plus, look at this arm. I went all out one time. This is what happened. And his arm is covered with all these scars and cracks and stuff. So it's bad if he just kind of goes all out uh, with this destroy everything power because he'll probably get destroyed, too. He's a little bit like Dobby now. 
Uh, but he says that he's going to use everything that he has to obliterate the dregs that all might left behind. The next time we meet, I'll finish them off. And uh, the doctor says that his research that he's gathered was originally intended to be used for all for one. Uh, and he talks about how, you know, with each passing generation, quirks become more mixed and complex. Though our memory expands faster and faster, our hardware doesn't evolve quickly enough to keep up. And there will eventually come a point where people lose control. I call this concept the quirk singularity. And I'm like, wait a minute. We heard about this already and you're taking full credit for it. Is he the guy who originated this concept or is he just taking credit for something that is just generally known by the populace? <laughs> I came up with this. <laughs> <laughs> I made this. Exactly. Yes. Cause we heard about this when uh Bakugo and Todoroki were having to look after the preschoolers. It's very possible that it's become a more prevailing theory since uh, one for all or all for one decided to like, kind of theorize it and everything like that so maybe mm. it's only recently become more of a thing and he was the one you know kind of parading this theory you know 15 years ago or whatever it would be mm -hmm. i mean he was going around uh, you know testing preschoolers quirks apparently uh if he is that same doctor who tested out deku so maybe he did actually you know seed it into the public consciousness uh, but anyhow, so Chigaraki is uh, figuring out what he's going to do. Uh, he goes basically under the knife, uh, for the doctor to start working on him. And he says that for the next four months, you'll endure hellish agony. But if you can overcome it, you'll find that you'll have everything in the palm of your hand, even one for all the power that didn't behave as he saw fit. And we get this imagined visual of. Shigaraki like emerging from a cocoon. He's got butterfly wings with holes in them. Oh no, Chris, Aizen is back. He's still evolving. It's still happening. <laughs> that fight is still happening even though Bleach is over. He's just evolving into another form. We thought it was over. We thought a year and a half of the manga continued past that point, but no, it's all that fight's still happening. Part 578. God, what was that? Deicide? Deicide, yeah. and it got to part 70, 27, I think. Jesus. <laughs> Half a year of just sub-chapters sub of that. Oh, God. Anyhow, we catch up with Endeavor, who has decoded Hawk's clever message, which nobody could have possibly figured out if he didn't give a very obvious clue to. Um... Meanwhile, Hawks is walking through the base that he's returned to, trying to, and he's just, you know, contemplating uh, what's going on, hoping that Endeavor's going to get the message, that they'll have enough forces to do stuff uh, about the about the army that is on its way. Um, and he thinks, you know, it's like, okay, you know, what would we, if we could actually conduct a raid on this place, what would we do? How would we do go about it? We do see that, like, he gets stopped at a door at one point. He's like, no, you're not allowed in here. And he's like, what, I can't go into the cafeteria? Which... It's clearly not the cafeteria. <laughs> yes, you have to get past the guard to get, you know, from going to the buffet line. They're like, it's beef stroganoff day! We must confirm identity before you suck upon the delicious stroke. 
The heroes uh, will destroy us if they discover our delicious beef stroganoff recipe. <laughs> They're like, I can see it. I can see Box the Hamburger Helper right behind you. Look away, swine! Kill him! Kill Hawks! <laughs> He's a traitor. He does not appreciate the effort we go into making the beef stroganoff. We still have to make the ground beef. It's like he doesn't even consider that part of it and how arduous it is. It's just hamburger helper. You still need to make the hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> They've like got the hamburger helper glove and it's doing the like middle human liberation sign. Let's <laughs> That's his quirk is anthropomorphic glove monster. <laughs> now, Nick, who would win the fight between the hamburger helper glove and the Arby's oven bit back when that was a character? Oh my god, I completely forgot that that was a well, thing, was I, it? I, it's easy to forget because Arby's now exclusively has become, uh, hey, we reference your nerd culture stuff on Twitter. Please buy our sandwiches. Uh, but at one point they did have uh, an oven mitt, and I, I really wonder who... It was creepy. Who, yeah. Which one? I mean, I think... I think that, you know, uh, the hamburger couples glove would have uh, the advantage in terms of uh, dexterity because it actually has the individual fingers. But that that, that oven mitt. I was going to say it, that oven mitt had it's power. It's got the killer eyes. It it'll, it would tear it apart. Mm. Like, you know, there'd be no hesitation that that guy's killed before. Oh, yeah. So. That's a that's a glove that's fucked. Mm. <laughs> All right. So. Um, anyway, Hawks is trying to figure out what they would do in order to take these guys down. Then suddenly Redestro comes up and is just like, hey, you've been handing out the book to heroes. And Hawks just kind of looks back at him while he, you know, has these very big smiley eyes. And he's like, oh, you, you, you completely have grasped what Destro stood for. It's so good to have another true believer here with us. And twice just kind of whispers to him. like, I don't get what the book is about. Can you tell me? <laughs> I'm a fool. Help. <laughs> he uses lots of big words and there are no pictures. <laughs> uh, but. Redestro is like, hey, this is great. You know, your fan base is in the 10 to 20 demographics, so that'll help us spread the word to young people. That's great. Um, we cut back over to Endeavor as he's looking down at uh, the message and it says we have to bolster our numbers. So he's like, what should I do here? And uh, he remembers being contacted by uh, someone, presumably getting the same message that they did over at UA that the students need to be brought up quickly. Um, and he was basically told to train the kids as best as he could. So uh, he thinks about uh, this. He thinks about what Hawks told him and he heads outside. And he's like, what, is, what exactly is the plan with these kids? Are they our backup? Are they insurance? Um, what the, one of the sidekicks, uh, Burnin, I think was her name, uh, Says that Bakugo and Decker are going to be staying behind because Endeavor only wanted Shoto to go with him. But he comes out of the office and he has all three of them go with him because he now understands the importance of preparing all of them for the coming battle, it seems. Uh, we actually see that uh, the reason that Hawks stepped into the battle uh where he stopped everyone before the kids could do anything was specifically so that they wouldn't get a chance to show how they had grown because he had all of the cameras and stuff on him. And as a result of that, it seemed to have worked because Dobby was under the impression that none of them had grown very much uh, from that. And uh, 
Hawk says to himself, while he thinks about this, I'm not into raising the next generation, but seeing you ready to rise to the challenge kind of changed my mind. I'm glad it's you who showed up. They're already strong, and they'll get stronger day by day. They're even faster than me. This definitely won't go how the villains are hoping. And we just get four pages of just a collage of different shots of the students of UA training with various heroes. Uh, We also see some shots of, like, uh, teachers, uh, even, like, parents, uh, all for one, just kind of where they are while all this stuff is going on. A lot of them are contemplating the future, and a lot of them are, you know, taking action to try and get stronger. Uh, there are little bit details here and there to take note of. Uh, like we see that uh, the girls who went with Ryukyu uh, before they're back with her. Kirishima's best buddy, Tetsu 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 Tetsu, has joined, him, has joined him to train under Fat Gum. There are some odd pairings here and there, like fucking Koda and Washa, who the washer guy, are working together. Um, we see that Aoyama and Ashido are seemingly also under the same hero, though we don't see who the fuck that is. Is that uh, uh, Hogakure there, too? Oh, yeah, her gloves are there. I thought those were Ashido's gloves. I thought they were at first, and I was like, it doesn't look right. Like, it doesn't look like her right arm is positioned. Like, why is it forward if that would be the back arm? Yayorozu is training with that one lizard girl who sucks, <laughs> but is totally good. <laughs> She's um, very talented. And Chris, the team up of the century. Jiro's working for Gang Orca. <laughs> Thank God somebody is. Uh, also, uh, what's his name? Shino? Shiro? What's his name? Forearm guy. Oh, I get it eventually. <laughs> Sh- Shijo. Shoujo. Is it Shoujo? It's Shoji. Shoji. Damn it. I was so close. I just needed to try other vowels. <laughs> you, you, like I said, you were close to begin. <laughs> I'm with. like, Sajo, Shiji, Shocho, Shavavo. There's also some interesting bits that I'm, I, I'm kind of surprised that we just see. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure that this is that that's Todoroki's mom that we get a shot of uh, praying on the last page. I believe it's so. either that or his sister. Um, and also, you know, there's like Toshinori thinking by himself, deep in contemplation. Uh, and we also see Eri hang out with Aizawa and present Mike and her horn is a little bit longer and is glowing. Oh. Mm. Uh, so this is, this definitely feels like a big, like season finale kind of chapter, uh, just in terms of like this, you know, we've got this thing coming ahead. And everyone is getting ready for it. Even if they don't know that they're getting ready for it, they're getting ready for it. And it's cool to check around and see a lot of the people that we wouldn't normally get any focus on. Um, but it was an odd way to end the chapter, especially because it's been so much of... I mean, this this chapter was uh, 17 pages long. And four of those pages were these two two-page spreads. And the first two were the color two-page spread. And the third page was a blank page that just had the logo in the corner. So pretty short chapter that is just like getting across one single idea and has a lot of visuals to go with it. If like when I read this chapter, my first thought was, I was like, is my hero Academy ending? Is it getting canceled? No. <laughs> I, I was like, this is like a really weird, like, and they all continued to have fun chapter or something like that. 
Um, I, I don't know if this is meant to mean anything or if this is just a here's where everybody is kind of deal. Um, also, do we get to see Shinsho at all? Shinso? Yeah. I didn't see him in any of the panels, but I was wondering if maybe I just missed him. Uh, you're talking about, uh, well, let's see, because maybe he hasn't fully transferred over to the hero course, and so he doesn't get to go on the training thing yet. Yeah, but, I mean, there's shots of other characters who, like, like characters from other schools and fucking, uh, uh, true, El- true. and shit. Like, I just assumed he'd be in there somewhere. That's a good point. Fourth most popular character. <laughs> oh, no, I'm hearing, I'm hearing he people think like time skip or, you know, all sorts of things. And I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. My, my first thought was like, is something happening? Maybe not. Maybe this was just a cool way to be like, hey, here's what everybody's up to. And it really is it more complicated than that. Oh, of course, that makes sense. He doesn't have his uh, his license yet to be a to get to do the training like he was just transferred to the hero course so of course he hasn't gotten to take the test for it yeah again there's other characters there who aren't at day jobs with uh the teachers though so i was just wondering what like it felt weird to disclude him when it's like and here's todoroki's mom <laughs> <laughs> all right here's the here's a tree here's a tree <laughs> that tree is gonna be a major you know what nick that tree, that shot, actually, that's a uh, fucking elastic dude. We can't see it, but he's got elastic shit invisible up in the air there. And, uh, yeah, that's the, the gentleman or whatever his fucking name was. Where is, where is gentle and <laughs> La Brava or whatever? Uh, yeah, that's that was the panel for them. Okay, so. That was all right, chapter. It was just an odd one mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. All right. Let us move on from there to talk a little bit about Beast Children. We've only got eight chapters to talk about this week with this one included, so I figured we might as well throw it in there, too. Ah, uh, sure. Why not? This is actually the chapter about how uh, Iki died. Uh, you know, our main character's master and his rival's uh, father. father. Um, not Iki, Itsuki. Uh, basically, so he was like competing in the World Cup, doing great, having apparently heart problems because uh, he puts on a big smile after one match and he collapses. Then he goes after the semifinals and they and they win. And he's like, and then all of a sudden we just hear this little squeeze right by his chest. And he's like, oh, man, I wish I could have been given a little longer. Uh, and then they win the match. And then he suddenly takes the microphone for the post-game interview and he's like, uh, the World Cup Finals, sorry, I've got some stuff to do and won't be playing. This won't make up for it, but my son is going to crush the world someday. And then he drops the microphone and goes, I'm so tired. And he falls over. Dead. Dun, dun, dun. Wait, the guy who died, died? No. No. I thought he was going to join the team as like their punter. <laughs> And uh, so obviously this very much upset his son, who was like, what happened to getting back up again, no matter how many hundreds of times it takes? Uh, Shishigaya was like, what happened, master? Uh, his son's like, I'm, not, I'm still not better than you. You have to come back. And what he left the rugby world was a big, huge scar. The beast quietly breathed his last breath on the field. And so 
Then we catch up with his son, who's like, I don't care about what lies beyond the white lines on the field. Only those who are alive can be my opponent. Only those who have survived on this field. This is the only place where I belong. And here comes this guy who time and time again gets back up. Dozens of times over, he charges back in. And we see Shishigaya once more shatter the white world surrounding him and break into his world. And I don't know what to do with him. Hundreds of times over, he, chapter title, gets back up again. It's a very odd chapter. I, you know, I like this chapter. It's probably better than a lot of the other ones recently. Like, it does yes. it does give you the motivation for uh, whatever, isn't it, Carito, whatever the, the son's name was. Um, I don't remember. Uh, but it does, it does show you Yukito. Yukito, whatever. I don't know. Uh, it does show you why he kind of holds his passion onto it. Like, it's very overdramatic and it's very, like, bombastic in the way a sports manga tends to be like, and he died yeah. on the field giving after just giving a victory speech after winning the World Cup. And he didn't w- he didn't win the World Cup. He won the semifinals mm. of the World Cup, which coincidentally, Japan is just one match away from in the mm-hmm. actual rugby World Cup right now. Uh, see Chris the series works you know what Japan's going to win the world cup and then they're going to be like keep beast children going and then somebody like it's it's almost like a bill in, in parliament or like in congress where like after they're like keep beast children going and then it's some guy in the corner is like it's spirit busters too <laughs> and then spirit busters runs for seven years <laughs> six is like why <laughs> Yozakura's family gets canceled the next week. <laughs> like, we have no more time or room for it. We need more chapters for Spirit Busters. You heard them. Japan just won the World Cup. They're like, I don't know if those two are connected, though. <laughs> um, no, it's- Shut up! <laughs> you heard that voice in the back of the room? He knew it was up. <laughs> uh, so, mm. you know, it's a fine chapter. Like, in the general scheme of things, I, I think it was probably better than a lot of the other ones. It was a nice build up to something, but I, I you know, I, it's the same thing too, where you're like, this, this series can't possibly run another month, right? Or is this? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I can't imagine, but well, let's talk about oh. another series that may be ending very soon, Nick. Uh, oh, wait, yeah. no, we talk about Yosu, whatever family first. We, we talk about Mission Yosukura family first, right. which. I'm not sure, but I think is doing okay uh, so far. Um, it's hard to tell because it's only eight chapters in, and that's kind of where things start to get a little weird. And also the first volume will be dropping pretty soon. But I think that up until that point, things are actually going okay for it. Fingers crossed. Because I would, I would love to enjoy talking about the series more. Mission 8, three minutes! To midnight. Did I just hear myself say three minutes? Oh my god. I don't know. I'm going to get the uh, Rosie and Jamal Driver, whatever the picture was. Just take the fake face off that I've been wearing for 10 years. Hey, moment of silence. He's gone now. Uh, Both of them are. He's back. Well, no, I meant Eric Bischoff. Oh, yeah, because no, he was. <laughs> not the actual wrestlers being dead, which is an unfortunate truth. It's horrible, but yes. The quiet realization that Eric Bischoff has gone from the company after doing nothing again. 
basically absolutely nothing. <laughs> anyway, so Mutsumi is going to get rescued because Tayo has got her kidnapper Hanawa on the ground with the electric gun pointed at his face. <laughs> Hanawa suddenly throws his scissors into the barrel of the gun, which explodes. <laughs> That's how guns work. Yep, it's just science. And uh, he goes to gouge out uh, Tayo's eye with the same scissors, but uh, Tayo is able to get out of the way and he only gets a scratch in the face. And Hanawa explains that, you know, if your weapon can separate, you can use it for things other than dismantling and disconnecting. It comes in handy at times like this. Guns are easy to use, but the noise and big impact can be obtrusive. As a spy, it's good to know your simple weapons, too. Scissors! <laughs> simple weapons! <laughs> But he's like, gardening shears can cut up a plant while its cells are still alive. I mean, if you have a sharp enough blade, yes, you can do that with any blade. But anyway, <laughs> but it can be more lethal than a military knife. So keep your distance if you value your fingers and eyes. But Tyra recalls Kirito's advice on what to do uh, in this kind of situation. Because like normally the more time passes, the better. Because our siblings will start to arrive. But Hanao will just go on the defensive and try to kill time because he has an ace up his sleeve. He'll use a squadron of helicopters to keep us occupied while he escapes with Mutsumi by ship or submarine. Yeah, I like, and sure enough. <laughs> I like that's the ace up his sleeve. Not like, oh, he has like seven aces up his sleeve just in case. He has a small army, just that ace up his sleeve. <laughs> And sure enough, his flower delivery company has sent out cargo helicopters and submarines to assist. You know what? If I'm the innocent bystander looking out over the river and I see that a flower delivery company has a motherfucking submarine I'm ordering from that company. I'm like, those those fuckers care about how quick my flowers are getting to you. They will go anywhere. <laughs> I was like, I need flowers shipped across Lake Erie to my my grandmother. And they're like, we'll use our flower bin Lake Erie speedboat to accomplish that. Like, thank God. I love manga. <laughs> so not only does Tyo have to defeat this guy who has demonstrated that he is superior to him. He's got to do it in three minutes because that's about how long he's got until the helicopters and submarines arrive to bail Hanawa out. So Tayo rushes in. He gets out some wire, the same kind that uh, Tayo uses, uh, not Tayo, that Kyoichiro uses. And he quickly wraps it around the scissors and twists Hanawa's arm with it. And while recalling uh, Kyoichiro's advice, uh, he's, which was high quality blades can be dismantled for maintenance. So it's similar to picking a safe or a lock. You can neutralize it. And sure enough, he somehow manages to take a little pin from his hair and undo the screw that holds the blades of the shears together and disassembles the scissors in Hanawa's hand. And he's like, yes, I've got this. But then suddenly he stumbles and Hanawa catches one of the blades of the scissors. And he says, ah, oh, you were so close. And he slashes across Tayo's uh, chest knocks him to the ground. And he's like, what's going on? My vision's blurring. I can't move. And Alex just starts listing off plants. So water lily, lily of the valley, hydrangea, azalea. And he says, 
It's my own special organic blend of poisonous plants, so enjoy it to its fullest. It's known for its immediate effects, but it took quite a long time for you, so I guess that training of yours isn't just for show. No matter how much you build yourself up, though, you really have no understanding of how this world works. And uh, he basically says that as a result of the family interfering in his operations, they've really fucked him up because they stopped one uh, item uh, that was being distributed. And he's like, you probably thought you were doing something good, but did you think about what would happen because you stopped it? The ransom was supposed to be delivered in a few hours, didn't get paid. The unapproved wonder drug that was supposed to be delivered in a few days. The weapons and mercenaries are a few weeks late that would have decided the outcome in a fight against a dictatorial regime. Your selfishness has caused a lot of disruptions around the world. And Tayo says, that's got nothing to do with me. I've never thought that I was in the right. I don't even care if what you're doing is wrong. And despite the poisonous, he stands up and he starts to tighten cables around his stomach so that he can uh, staunch the wound that he's received a little bit. He says, I just want to get Mutsumi back. And so I was like, well, you guys are really troublesome, so I should nip you while I still can. And Mutsumi realizes that Tayo's in trouble. She spots the other blade from the scissors lying next to her. And so she grabs it and throws it at Hanawa's head. But he dodges it from, uh, by just jerking his head to the side. And he's like, you sh- don't bother trying to do something you're not used to. Just be obedient like the merchandise you are. And then in front of him, Tayo grabs the blade and is like, oh, she wasn't aiming for me. She just wanted to pass the blade to him. I'm an idiot. <laughs> And Tayo rushes in. They clash the two scissor blades together, which both shatter each other apart. And Tayo declares, Mutsumi isn't merchandise. She's my wife! And clocks him in the head and knocks him off the truck. And Mutsumi is saved. And then uh, Panawa's men are like, we've got to go save the president. And Kyoichiro's like, no, you're not. And he throws the truck at them. And uh, Kyochiro grabs Mutsumi and Tayo both, although he's standing on top of Tayo as a platform. And he's like, hey, good job. And uh, even though he's stepping on Tayo because he still doesn't quite like him, he congratulates him and says, uh, he's got the strength to protect you, Mutsumi. Isn't that right, my brother, Tayo Asano? And the chapter ends with the entire family reuniting and embracing Mutsumi. They won. This was an awesome chapter. Uh, I was not as high on this chapter. I I thought it was good, but I really, I really am bothered that I feel like, despite the fact she threw the blade, I was like, yeah, he's a hundred percent right. This is another series where the female protagonist is just sort of the damsel who sits there and looks after the mania. <laughs> like all this chapter needed was a moment where she looked over and she was like, Oh, Tayo Kun or some shit like that. <laughs> like, I was just like, ah, I'm just kind of tired of this fucking gimmick. And I'm hoping this was their, like, this was their thing to do it once and kind of be done with it. Cause it felt like this was sort of, uh, a very expedited first arc to kind of establish what yes. this series could be. And from here on, it'll be something different. Uh, but it definitely bothered me during this chapter. I was just like, I don't, I'm tired of this sort of gimmick that they've done way too many times. I mean, they have established that that's kind of like the premise is yeah. that it's the one they've got to protect. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean, Two other siblings in the family are girls and they are and one of them is basically the strongest one besides Kyoichiro. Uh I don't know. We'll see how the how the uh it's still sex, 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 
optimization. It's it's always still the thing though where you're like, well, hey, when it comes down to it though, the main character is a dude and he has a love interest as a girl. Protect he's got to protect yep. her, you know. I just thought the action was good and I thought I liked that I appreciate that the series can kind of always maintain this humor that it's got, mm. not even really by just doing a jokey joke, but just by being like Yes, my flower delivery company is going to send helicopters and submarines to bail me out. So I thought this was really fun. Yeah, I could take that. Let's move on to Samurai Hold on, 8. Nick. Oh, Perhaps no, it's, it's time. time for another spooky look into the Spookmaster General's life. You see, mm. Nick, the Spookmaster General had a very difficult life growing up. Oh, no. His cat could only bark. His toast always landed jelly side up. And no That's matter thing, how many times he turned his pillow over, there was never a cool side. It was real twisted shit like that. <laughs> Why is it bad if the jelly side up lands up? Because that's not how it's supposed to be, Nick. In reality, dogs bark and your toast lands jelly side down. This is just yeah, to that's... show the twisted landscape he grew up in. But I thought that like landing jelly side down was like bad luck. Oh, of course. It's, it's much more edible this way, but it's <laughs> wrong. It's wrong, and that's the twisted kind of <laughs> shit he grew up with every single day. And the rumors say that this is all the result of the curse that was placed on the Spookmaster's family, likely as a result of them being the ones to invent the national pastime of fortune teller tripping. Fortune teller tripping? Yeah, it's the the national pastime that's swept across the nation that mostly only our family participates in of tripping fortune tellers, and that might be why we're cursed. You think that, like, you know, it it happens enough times that eventually, like, the fortune tellers and the gypsies are just kind of like, oh, you again. Uh, Curse on your family. (laughs) It was a collective. Just the fortune tellers. Yeah. They're all about that. All right. Samurai 8. Chapter 22. Anne and her brother. Last time, Hachimaru unlocked a pure shining white blade. Oh, what a powerful prayer An gave him. Hooray! It actually starts to cut into the new samurai's sword because it's so powerful. And so new samurai is like, oh my gosh, this prayer is so powerful. Only years of trust can forge a bond this tight. But they're so young. They don't look like siblings. Are they related by blood? No, it's more than that. This princess has a deeper emotion driving her. And it's an Anne flashback it chapter. Really, like, I know you're not intentionally doing it, but the pace you're going is so rapid quick, and I really feel that's the pace the chapter had to it go really with. It really is. It's like, wow, this is really incredible. And <gasps> then we go into the flashback, and Anne had a brother, and her brother did these things, and then these things, and then that's what this means, and this is what this means for Hachimaru. And it's like, fuck, dude. All right. So, if you recall, uh, in Bleach, there was you mean a character. Bleach, right? Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. There was a character named Kayan Shiba, who was very important to Rukia's backstory because she felt guilt over him getting killed. And wouldn't you know it, he bore an uncanny resemblance, for no real reason, to Ichigo. And so there was the whole thing of like, hey, there was this person that meant a lot to Rukia. And so she ends up meeting this guy who kind of looks a lot like him. So some sort of weird parallels and stuff like that. Well, it turns out that the same thing is going on with Anne. 
And as her nose starts to bleed, I guess from her psychic powers, I don't know, she starts to have a flashback. And she remembers that her older brother looked a lot like Hachimaru. Um, and so the point of everything, her brother was also a Nanashi, not the same Nanashi, uh, because Nanashi means nameless and so it's not his real name. Uh, but he was a nameless uh, a Nanashi. And so Nanashi and his brother uh, vowed to protect her despite the fact that he was very weak. Like he just was. He was physically weak. Uh, he wanted to be a samurai. He wanted to be a strong samurai so that he could protect her. Hey, check out this cool top knot that he has. You can't be a samurai unless you've got a top knot. And Anne's like, smile. And then the guy's random wanted to also be a samurai bullies came over to beat him up. And he protected her. And they kept on trying to attack him. And she finally stepped in the way to try and protect him. And she got hit instead. And they're like, oh, no, I beat up a girl. And they ran off. And so they're both beaten up. And Nanashi, and Nanashi Anne's brother is like, I'm sorry, Anne. I failed to keep you safe. After I promised that's what I would do. He's crying about this. He goes in front of some um, Oni Buddhist monk statue things and uh, carries her up to them uh, while she's and she falls unconscious. And Anne thinks to herself, she falls unconscious in the flashback. Don't apologize, big brother. You're always so kind to me. All I want is for you to be here next to me. And she wakes up and he's committed seppuku. He stabbed himself in the gut and he apologized to her and says, I wasn't a strong big brother, but now I'll be able to protect you. I'll be a perfect samurai. And so Anne admits to herself that I just want to forget about my brother. I was nearly done pulling his memories loose. But now my memories are connected again. And we see that there are many parallels that between her time with Hachimaru and her time with her brother, including him smiling and her brother smiling. Her looking at Hachimaru's back and her looking at his brother's back. Her talking to Hachimaru and her talking to her brother. <laughs> Not very strong parallels. No, it's like, it's like, it, clearly this is meant to be a, a flashback after a lot more time has a been spent between On and Hachimaru. And it's like, remember that time you bought goggles? I remember when my brother didn't have goggles, but had a top knot, which is essentially what your goggle kind of hairstyle forced you into and i also viewed him from the back god you two are like i don't know how you're this similar and so she admits to herself the truth is i knew deep down i didn't actually want to forget about my brother at all once i met hachimaru i realized i wanted to stay connected to him and the flashback ends hachimaru follows through he is completely chopped through the other samurai sword and they are doing the you know back-to-back -back pose that samurai and a duel do um, and okay. I mean, like this would have been far more impactful if we had gotten to know Anne better. And in this, I gotten more time. Um, I mean, I'm totally okay with the idea that the connection that Anne feels for Ajumaru is more replacing the connection that she felt for her brother. And also maybe that's the, the reason that, uh, their connection is so strong is because there is like another samurai soul that she carries with her that contributes to Hachimaru's power, whatever. That's fine. It literally is just a matter of like, it's not very good because it's so rushed. Mm -hmm. And this kind of came completely out of nowhere with no warning. So, yeah, like I, this is a good chapter to have in this series, but the pacing of the series kind of allowed really hasn't given us the time to 
get to know Anne enough to be like, oh, I wonder what her backstory is or things like that. We're kind of abruptly thrown into it to be like, all right, this is all very going to be very, very relevant to Hachimaru's power up to explain why he's getting so much power and everything like that. We we just have to do it now. Like, just pull the trigger and uh, go for it. So, you know, I, I like the chapter. It's just, it's kind of sad when you're like, oh, this is what the series is basically going to become. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Before we move on, dear Nicholas. Ooh. Another Spookmaster General fact for you. Got to get all these in because we've only got a few more manga to talk oh, about. Oh, I miscalculated. Week. The Spookmaster General Nick is a big fan of professional wrestling, and is That's de- it is definitely able to go on wrestling-related tangents. His favorite wrestlers are Darby Allen, <laughs> Alistair Black, and Candice LeRae. <laughs> One of these things is not like the others. But Spookmaster General does not like the fiend, Nick. Well, okay. Why is that? Because the fiend is basically monster blackface, and it is very offensive <laughs> to us. Ooh. But Darby Allen isn't. Nope, he's just a perfect level of spooktastic. <laughs> He's just some little kid who skateboards and decided to paint his face half like a He's skull. He's so spooky, though. It's very, <laughs> it's very satisfying. It's not his gimmicks. Being spooky's not his gimmick. He's just the right level of spooky for the spook master. <laughs> oh, did you see the way that he skateboarded and ran into Chris Jericho? So spooky! He could have come from anywhere, you know? <laughs> Plus as long as there was a, a long, straight path yes. without anything in the way. It, it really was helpful that there was a decline, too, to help build up speed. <laughs> oh, if Jericho had been on the other side of the ramp, he would have been out of luck. But it also works because his name can easily become Darbu Allen. <laughs> you can't do that, can you, Alistair Bulak? No. Alistair Bulak works. Can Boo It all works perfectly. The feet you can't do anything with. <laughs> Might as well just make him a governor for how offensive he is. <laughs> All right, let's talk about. You could have gone with Candace LeGrave or something like that, and no, can can boost the boo. <laughs> let's talk about we never learn, Nick. Question... Watch AEW. <laughs> Question one thirty one. Sometimes their pizza pet is flexible. But, Spookmaster General, don't you mean sometimes their pizza boo is flexible? I don't get it. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe I, oh, I'm going to take that one on the road. I'm going to see how I feel when I get home. <laughs> see how it works. That might be, a, that might be an, on, an on the homer, you know? Yeah, you got to get a, like, actually. Uh, I got to process do, do a little bit of rewriting. Yeah. Punch it up. Yeah. <laughs> going to try to take it up the next notch. I think you just need to sell it. A pizza boot. Hey. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, way better. <laughs> uh, so the chapter opens with uh, Sagi walking in with Sekijo in a pool of her own blood. And uh, are you, it's uh, Asumi, not Asahi. Asumi, rather. Who's Asahi? 
Uh, that Food would be Erina's brother. Ooh, Asumi walking in on Sekijo in a pool of her own blood, and uh, Ogata on top of Uega in what seems like a very compromising situation. Nick, we just started N Media Res. Uh, and now. You know what's actually really disturbing about this picture? Mm-hmm. Sekijo actually is lying in her pool of her own blood. Yeah. <laughs> it's the spooky chapter for Halloween, Nick. Yeah, apparently. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we go. We cut back to when the three of them are all just studying together, and Ogata's like, "Man, my arms, right, my shoulders, really are stiff." And Zekicho's like, "It's because of your breasts." And she, you know, Uega's like, "Please stop shouting breasts in my household." And Zekicho's like, "You the don't thing get is, it." The thing is, she's probably right. Oh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> almost certainly, because wasn't it like did. Ogata like be confirmed to have like she, a double F size cup or some shit like that. I believe that at last check she had G cups. Yeah. So which is really big. And she is a small person. And I cannot I will never have, you know, uh first person experience with this, but I understand that yes, women with small builds who have large breasts. Do get a lot of back pain. So, indeed. So, uh, Ogata's like, stop saying breasts. And uh, eventually, Ego's like, well, maybe, you know, we've been studying too long. We're just a little bit stiff. So, Ogata's like, I know just the thing. And we get uh, a weird shot of Seki Joe stretching. Uh, this whole sequence could have been much more titillating than it ended up being because they're all still they're they're all still wearing their winter clothes, which they keep on mm-hmm. while they're stretching. Yes. So, uh, so they're all trying to stretch, but the joke is that only Seki Joe is really stretching. Uega's not really, and he's not an athlete, uh, which is weird because he has like defined abs, but whatever. Uh, and Ogata's like, oh, wow, you're, you're barely doing anything. And she starts to be like, you know, if you don't stick with this, you're going to be really stiff one day. I recommend doing a little bit every day. And then they look and she's like, you haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah, it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. like, this is how much she has moved forward while trying to bend forward. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, Seki Joe's fucking like bending her arm up to this. She's doing like fucking front back splits. She's. She's going to, like, fit herself inside of a box or something like that. Nick, uh, this was actually a very important question that was asked by Tyler Breeze uh, and uh, Big E. What do you call the thing that Sekijo is doing? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the splits. It's the splits. Now, so you're you're standing yes. with Tyler Breeze. Yes. Okay. Now, I do, however, believe that doing a singular of them can be referred to as a split, but I believe the more proper term is the splits. So there you go. All right, Nick standing firmly with Tyler Breeze. Fuck the new day, says Nicholas Freeman. They're all wrong, and I hate them. I mean, Tyler Breeze is the best part of the oh, up, up, down, down channel. So did you yeah, watch? Did great. you ever watch? Uh, not to get off on a random tangent, but hey, we've to we're already it. got the way three series. Hey, look, I have never talked about Tyler Breeze on Up Up Down now before. I love him. I was gonna say, uh, do you watch the the Raw or the the GM show? I love that. I, show. There is <laughs> nothing better than the episode where he loses Eddie Grow and it's just fucking <laughs> fucking uh, Xavier get, Woods screaming in Saudi Arabia, throwing his notebook across the room. They get so okay. 
you don't need to know anything about wrestling guys to watch Tyler Breeze and Xavier Woods or Austin Creed as he goes by on the channel play GM mode on the up, up, down, down YouTube channel because it's just them basically playing fantasy football mm-hmm. with each other with a wrestling game and trying to make this video game give them bigger numbers than the other guy. <laughs> That's all it is. And how, like, three weeks in, it's already over. <laughs> it's, it's, it's over Because Xavier so Woods quickly. doesn't know how to play the game it's, in terms of you need to have money. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's one of the best moments that for the first, like, three months, they're like, I think there's going to be a point where all of his guys are just going to stop being on contract at the exact same time. And Breeze is, like, saying for, like, weeks ahead of time, like, I don't think he's realized that something is happening and he's going to get screwed at one point. And sure enough, it all comes at one point where, like, he doesn't have the time because they only get themselves five minutes where he can't do everything to set up his show and re-sign all of his guys. And then they do a punishment at the end of the year. And it's ridiculous. (laughs) The punishment's so glorious. You see the happy birthday afterwards? I there's, there's, don't think there's I did. a happy there's a happy birthday video that takes place right after it got posted before, but you see it. Oh, okay, yes, th- that's the best. Where he's like, no, like I love that he gets hit with it, and his first reaction is like, I didn't bring another shirt. <laughs> I have to get on an airplane like this. <laughs> oh, it's very funny. Anyways, guys, this is not a great chapter. It's we never so- learned such so to distract ourselves from it a little bit. I just want to say, well, the thing about it is that it is two guys who are legitimate best friends and geeks hanging out. And that's what's so fun about it. Yeah, so it is yeah. supremely cool. Go check it out. It's just it's just that they have way bigger arms than we do. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're basically I think I'm the Tyler Breeze. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Audience, to... let's throw it to you guys. Which one of us is the Tyler Breeze which and which one us... of us is the Austin Creed in this relationship? Which one of us is the male model and which one of us is black? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! It's the wrong makeup to be wearing for that. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, so there's just basically stretching, yeah, stretching, stretching, stretching. Yeah, there's just a bunch of jokes uh, about like, oh wow, maybe you'd be more effective if you guys did partner stretches. I don't know any consecutors. Like, I never really had a friend to stretch with. So both of them are like, I'll stretch with you, and it's like, no, you guys fucking stretch with each other. God damn it! So they're going about, they're doing it. Uh, Ogata is getting stretched, and because of that, her chest is kind of, like, being, you know, stretched. And Sekijo is looking at it in a purely platonic way and thinking, wow, this is really stimulating. Her exact words is stimulating. I believe, Chris, okay. Spookmaster General. To get a little bit ahead of the point. Spookmaster General. Uh, to get ahead of the point, Spookmaster General, my bet with Chris did not go well this week. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that we could confirm that Sekijo's... Sexual orientation is not straight. <laughs> it's definitely not at this point. Uh, How the bet was that she's in love with Ogata. Okay. So still not confirmed, but this was not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you're like, hey, we don't know that it's uh fucking. Look, Seiko Joe is just. Ogata is just her best friend whose breasts she also thinks are great. <laughs> it's look, Nick, sometimes I, I've been like hanging out with some of my best buds, and I'm like, God, that dude's cock is hot. And it doesn't mean I'm in love with them or anything else like that. It's a purely platonic, just like appreciation of the great fucking cock that's in front of me. 
Thank you, Spookmaster General. It's good that you've got my back against Chris. <laughs> Spookmaster General stands on all sides of love so that he can murder them. <laughs> Don't let them do any sexual stuff in my haunted mansion or barn. Um, so Ogata tries to stretch Uega. Uh, her breasts Stretching. are too big. They're so big, Nick. Big. They're so big. They pop the button straight off her shirt and they nail Sekijo in the forehead with such force they they stick to her forehead. They're, they dunk in there and they stay in there for a bit. And Sekijo's nose just starts spraying blood everywhere. And then we, we come. I appreciated the delayed reaction so that we could see the buttons on her forehead. Mm -hmm. And then she watches Ogata with her cleavage going. And then her nose goes. So then we know it's like, no, no, no. This wasn't like she a pressure point was struck. No, this is her getting turned on. Yes, this is absolutely her being like, this is hot. I love this. So it's too much blood, by the way. <laughs> yes, yeah, she, she's dead. Second <laughs> Joe died today. Uh, so now we we go back to the start where Sumi's like, "What's going on?" and Seki Joe apparently left. Like we, we, well, we she see simply th says, "My nose won't stop bleeding, so I'd better go home." Yes, and then she finishes off by saying, "Good brass, I mean goodbye." Uh, my window wasn't open for that. Was it? okay. Uh, so basically, Asumi's looking at the situation, and she's like. This is really weird. Like, Uega's really, like, he, he's sweaty. He's kind of, like, a little ruffled up. Like, he's breathing heavily. And Ogata, like, what the fuck? Her, her, like, her neckline is fucking down there. Like, I like how there's a caption that says slightly plunging necklines. Like, no, it's not. There's no slightly about it. Not at all. <laughs> Uh, and she's thinking, she's like, hmm, what were you guys doing? You're getting really friendly. Were you guys having sex, basically? <laughs> and in classic, we never learned fashion. Uega is just like, whoa, well, we were doing, and then Ogata interrupts. Even as he starts it, he's like, we were doing partner stretch. She's like, no, it was great. Really took my mind off of studying. We had very different, like, experience levels. And at first it was kind of awkward, but then it felt really, really good. And that's the end of her, like, explanation. <laughs> And Asumi's just like doesn't know how to react to this because she's like, "Wow, okay," <laughs> like because seemingly because she's a little bit angry with Yuika because she deliberately accidentally taps his foot to hurt him, so she's clearly jealous. Uh -huh. But as apparently, because we learn later that she is under the impression that they just did it. Yes, and her reaction to this is just to go. Oh, wow. Like, apparently she is so determined to not show being affected by this that she's just like, nope, I'm just going to It feels like she maintain a poker face. Yeah, I was like, I feel like she intended that little tease to be like, clearly that's not the situation that's going on here. But I'm going to poke fun of the fact that it definitely looks like it. And Ogata does nothing but to confirm that fact. And she's like, oh, OK. Sorry about your foot, dickhead. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he's like, oh, clearly there's something wrong with the Sumi. Uh, Firmino, give me your, your guidance. What should I do? And he stands up. He's like, oh, maybe, are you jealous, Sumi? D maybe you want to do it with me. Like, well, like, so he says, I wouldn't tease you about something like this. And I care about how you feel. 
Will you let me do it with you too? And she starts like going like, no, absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not ready. No, you're younger than me. I can't. And then he starts helping her do a stretch. And I like her face because she's like, ah. And then he's like, stretch. He's like, see, how's that, senpai? We'll stretch like this from now on. And her eyes just open. She's like, okay, I'm sorry. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a great so It's like, oh, hold on. <laughs> Start clearing this up a little bit. <laughs> What's going on? I thought you were jealous because you didn't have anyone to stretch with. All oh, you're asking for it. <laughs> yeah, she, she gets real upset there. Uh, so we cut away to just Ogaten to Sumi leaving. And she's like, yeah, you know, we, you know, in the end, were we wrong about you being jealous? She's like, yes, you were wrong. And Ogata yes, laughs. definitely. Yeah, Ogata laughs. And you, uh, Sumi's like, you know, you changed. You know that? And uh, Ogata's like, I think you've changed too. You've become more approachable and Sumi says well if that's really true then it's just some moron's fault and Ogata agrees yes it must be some moron's fault and our end of the chapter joke is Ogata being like hey what did you mean when you said I'm not ready and Sumi's like fuck off forget it <laughs> you were nothing I definitely wasn't thinking about having a devil's third triangle <laughs> but I'm a girl too shut up <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, this was, there were some good little moments in it, as there tend to be, and we never learned chapters, but it was, again, just like, oh, Aki's misunderstanding, which is definitely not when we never learned that strongest, because any harem series could do the kind of chapter and the, the whatever. But I guess we had to have, uh, we were going to have to have a few chapters to come down from you got nearly dying, yeah. so. All right. Let's move on then to Dr. Stone. But it is Nick, chapter. What is that? What's another what's new detail fact about the spook master general is the spook master general grew up in a cursed household and was very lonely growing up. And he had but one friend in his life. No, no. Dr. Poopenstein was his only friend. <laughs> I can't believe that thing still works. This is high quality craftsmanship all the way from... Uh, let's say China. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. It's Dr. Stone's E equals 125 decisive three-dimensional battle. So... They are going to launch their operation so that they can get the petrification device away from the king from the petrification kingdom. In order to do this, Senku says that they need four things: hoods, the drone, the gun, and wire. And uh, so hoods is pretty quickly taken care of. Amarillo manages to sneak out some clothing and food from the village, and uh, Yuzuriha quickly whips up the hoods and. Uh, Amarillo, however, gets the idea that, you know, a lot of work's being done in this cave uh, between, you know, like the, all the machines that they're creating and stuff like that. So Amarillo runs back to her village and gets uh, all the guys who wanted to be her suitors. And she's like, oh, I, I managed to escape them. And and I hoped that my strong, manly suitors wouldn't have forgotten about me. And I wish to evoke with one of you, but I can only elope with the strongest one, maybe the one who 
um, beats drums the hardest at the next festival. And she's like, this is never going to work. And Amelia, like, <laughs> the drums. her face is the best. <laughs> Uh, yo get some more practice in with the gun uh, with the uh, noise being made by the by the drums he can actually fire it at will and he's actually getting a lot better with it hooray uh, so that's two for two that they're they're good with but uh, again points out all right yeah but uh, the drones really ramshackle it's not working very well we need to be able to very precisely get this thing and also hey the enemy's uh, string that they've got the device on could get tangled in our propellers. So is not going to possibly happen when that uh, result in a tug of war. And so Senka's like, yes, for this, we need our power team. And hey, just mentioned a few of the people that show up here in the last chapter that haven't gotten to do anything. So Kinro wakes up, Nikki wakes up, Magma wakes up. Hooray. And Kinro immediately looks around and sees that Ginro is not around and so he asks uh what happened to his brother and they explain the situation and amaryllis apologizes for it because she was actually there when it happened but kinro smiles and senku's like hey you thought he was dead didn't you oh, i'm sorry kohaku's quick thinking saved him and uh, they say that he will be tasked with leading the hood squad they need him to do it because someone's got to actually be good at using a spear when they go out and do this. Otherwise, they're going to see through the bluff of, of this strong force of warriors that's supposed to be. And Kinro gets this big full page spread to say, I understand and I accept. So, And he says that they will achieve victory and he suits up in one of the hooded uh, outfits to lead the away team. And then they're like, all right, now let's do some tug of war training and magma and taiju get on opposite ends of a rope and the rope snaps. And Senka's like, that's why we need a wire. And uh, so they actually get out the cotton candy machine from forever ago and they get some dregs from the burning coal tar, use that tangle it together. And then they are able to get a wire as a result of this a carbon wire, which will be super strong. And uh, so again's like, Oh, that's great. Wait a minute, this means that we need to wind a lot of these together, doesn't it? And sure enough, they do. They've got to tie a whole bunch of it together in order to make a proper uh, rope so that they can actually use this. And then uh, Chrome looks at the tops that they're using to spin these threads out. And he's like, wait a minute, this this uh, the, 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 those things are really stabilized when they're spinning in the air. And Seku explains, that, yes, it's the gyroscopic effect. Things that are spinning at high speeds wobble less, which is why the Earth doesn't rattle around on its axis. And so Chrome's like, ah, my insight has kicked in. See, the drone is really super wobbly. So what if we take one of those fidget spinners and put it right in the middle of the drone? That way it'll be spinning. That way it'll be way more stabilized. And Sega's like, oh, my God, that's a great idea, which I have already made. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> what a complete and absolute douchebag. <laughs> That's a great idea, Chrome. I've already made it. It's already done. <laughs> and uh, they've got uh, these, they, they've got all these gyroscopic things going on. They've also got another thing going with the, like, I forget what this thing actually is, uh, but it's a coil-based variable resistor, a patentometer, sliding these switches adjust the voltage. And so they've got uh, this thing so that you can increase the juice to just one propeller. And as a result of that, really pilot it around. Uh, but they say, OK, this requires some really com complicated uh, controls, though, because you're adjusting the spinning speed of four different propellers at once. And so 
we get another one of those moments, just like the one we had with Gen a couple of chapters ago. As Ryusuke is like, ah, in order to do this, we would need someone used to piloting and able to read wind patterns on the fly. But who? Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right, me. (laughs) So uh, he starts practicing with an ND, pretty immediately picks it up. And he's like, ah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like it's like playing a video game. And when I was little, I received training to become a pro gamer. Like, of course you did. Fucking rich boy. <laughs> there is a shot I want to make note of here. It's just a very small panel where uh, Yo is practicing with the gun. And Mama is over his shoulder looking at him. Yeah. Well, because they have a jealousy. So, like, they have a rivalry going on, so Magma's not Yeah, but Magma's, Magma's kind of looking at the gun. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I could be bringing a little bit too much into it, but maybe he sees this as, you know, a thing of power. Because, remember, he's not a good person. No. He's just, you know, interested in what science can can achieve. So, hmm. Maybe, what, do you think the gun represents his id? Yes, and the holster represents his superego. Yeah. And uh, the yo represents his ego. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Never gonna live that. <laughs> I do. I do wonder. Thank God I was right about the bubble fruits. Otherwise, Toriko would have been my bane <laughs> in terms of making theories. <laughs> now, do you think uh, becoming a professional gamer is going to become the new like stereotypical <laughs> wasp sport? Like it's gonna replace like horse riding? It's gonna be like, well, my father trained me to be a Call of Duty professional player. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, only rich people can afford to jump into the hobby like that. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I think the gaming is a little bit too mainstream now, but who knows? It could turn out to be that way. So uh, they've got all their equipment now, and they're saying that this is all going to happen when the sun rises. And sure enough, over in the petrification village. Uh, Moe's calls down from a treetop saying that Hood, the Hooded Army is a, has shown itself. And he says, Akiri Sama and himself will have to go and do battle with them. And so the muscle group uh, goes and sets off wearing the hoods to enact their plan to snag the petrification device. Senku says, all of our science equipment combined is going to take their Medusa. So nice little job. Supremely cool chapter, uh, a fantastic moment for Ginro, or sorry, Kinro, where he just looks mm-hmm. so cool. Like, he has the cool moment of, you know, immediately being like, I know something happened to Ginro, what happened? His cool moment, like, almost a two-page spread of him, like, I understand, I accept. But just how fucking dope he looks in the armor for some reason. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, it's but cool, it's like, It's a cool, uh, cool, cool hoods, yeah. Uh, it's supremely cool. So, really dug this chapter. I was a big fan of it, and uh, I'm really excited for next week. All right. This 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 week's kind of hard on me because we don't have the uh, Crunchyroll series to break things up. But anyway, The Promised Neverland. Perhaps I could break things up for you. Uh, Oh, what a With the final piece of the backstory for the Spookmaster General. This is the good one, Nick. This is the one I've stored. You see, the Spookmaster General possesses the power to kill anyone, anywhere, so long as they are within proximity to a Halloween-specific pun. So two people get on a plane, they're like, well, thank goodness we managed to get on this Boeing jet. And I say, don't you mean this booing jet? And then I pop out of the overhead compartment and I kill them with a pickaxe. 
<laughs> Buy a pickaxe. <laughs> and then someone's like, ooh, I'm really hungry. I think I'll make dinner tonight. Perhaps I'll make elbow macaroni. <laughs> and I, I'm like, but don't you mean elbow macaroni? And I pop out of their toilet and I kill them in the head with the pickaxe. <laughs> So is is the Spookmaster General's weapon of choice a pickaxe? pickaxe? It's not my first choice, but you see, there's monster solidarity. Jason already has the machete. Freddy Krueger's laid claim to, like, knives on fingers. Mike Myers, I don't know how the fuck he did. He just says all knives. All knives, no matter what. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not crazy about it, but he's one of the legends, so you kind of just give it to him. So I had to find my own, and uh, I settled on the pickaxe as my weapon of choice. I mean, at least it's pretty easy to believe is good weapon, but <laughs> unfortunately, really, nobody has ever done this in a mine. I haven't gotten anybody there with a pickaxe to feel really appropriate. I really feel anachronistic every time I kill somebody next to a gumbool machine <laughs> because I I pop up my pickaxe and I get them. Oh my god. <laughs> So yeah, they're like, "Oh man, I hope that this that the that there's no fumes that'll kill this parakeet." And you're like, "Damn it, there's nothing there I can work with. Hey. Nothing with a bee." <laughs> I don't even try to think of another word. Like scarakeet was right there. But I mean, like parabu. Oh damn it, they're already out of position. I can't. I can't jump out of this. Out of this cavern with my pickaxe. I guess we'll just go home. Ah fuck! It's Tuesday. I missed the moment by thinking about how I could fit boo into parakeet for three days. No one has said Tuesday. I can't call it booze day. Damn it! One day I'm gonna get somebody next to a calendar. I swear to God, it'll happen. Okay. It's chapter 154 of The Promised Neverland. Norman has just asked Ray and Emma to save him, and he wants to have hope, even though he thinks it's too late. And he, so he actually reaches out and embraces them. And we get a little shot of them as kids uh, accepting his embrace. And uh, they say, Welcome back. But, Norman claims, it's impossible. Because of the drugs administered to us at Lambda, we don't have any time. I can't live with you. Even so, he asks them for help. Uh, his followers are shocked by this because they thought that he was uh, separated from the rest of them. He was a special sample. They thought he was the only one who was not a guinea pig. And Norman explains that that was a lie. He was kept separately, but he was also experimented on with drugs. And he says his seizures have already advanced to level four. Uh, and he lied because he wanted to be a boss that they could rely on. He didn't want them to be concerned for anyone and feel hesitant about leaving things to him. Uh, and then Ray is just like, is that all the sacred you have? Anything else? Uh, I mean, I know them already, but you know, did you want to tell Emma anything? Uh, it's just to, you know, save her the embarrassment. So uh, Norman says, great guy that he is. I don't regret killing the queen and the aristocrats. But if we don't have to kill any more, then I don't want to. It says, I don't want to eradicate them. I want to end what I already did, including the poison I spread in town. And I don't want to give up on the lives of the Lando group. Even if the possibility is close to zero, I want to try again. I want to try as many times as I can to save everyone, including myself. And they say, all right, we'll do something about this. Vincent says, 
Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're saying this now? <laughs> As he points out, it's kind of late to go back on this point. Uh, he's, he's like, we've already given up our lives. The only salvation we have is eradicating the demons. We're going to build a new world. And you said you weren't going to look back. Now you're saying this and you're not just demanding the plan. You're getting in our way. And so he says he's not going to stop. Even if you quit, even if you get in the way, I'm going to carry it on. But the others stop him. They say, no, we get it. We've sensed how the boss has been suffering, but he's amazing and can do anything. As a result of that, we've been dependent on him taking advantage of his ability and his kindness and making him shoulder everything, using him as a tool for revenge, even though he's human like us. So do what you want to do, boss. If you want to stop the plan, then that's fine. And he's like, look, I hate demons. I, I can't forgive them. I want revenge. But you're more important to me than that. And I'll follow your lead. And Barbara agrees. And Zazie has taped his bag back together and puts it back on. He's like, no one must see my slightly veiny face. And uh, Vincent is upset about this, but he does not object further for the rest of the chapter. Emma says that they have heard about the land of seizures because Donna Gilda told them about them because, of course, that happened to all of the uh, Lambda people uh, that were sent to uh, exterminate Sanju and Mujica. And uh, Emma says that Donna Gilda have realized something, which is that all of the Lambda children took the drugs. They're all getting seizures. But, of course, they have spent this entire time with Adam, who was at Landum from Lambda, and he doesn't get any seizures. Uh, he was on the same drugs. But he has never shown any of the symptoms. So they say like, well, I mean, there's a, there's differences in terms of when they first happen. So we can't say for sure he's not going to have any. But Vincent gets a little bit of hope at this point, saying that he hasn't received any treatment since leaving Lambda. But he's never had any seizures. That's unusual. And if it's true that he took the drugs and hasn't had any side effects, then there is a possibility that he could be the breakthrough to save everyone in the Lambda group. Hooray! Everyone could be saved. Uh, Beret says, we've got to hurry, though, because there's a large group of soldiers searching for the base. Kind of forgot about those, I will admit. Uh, but yeah, that large group of demons that they spotted on their way here. Yes, they're still trying to find everything. And Oliver and Zach and Nigel and Gillian are going to try and handle it. I'm sure they'll, they'll be fine mm -hmm. on their own. Just how it works. They've got to hurry back to the base. Vincent says, but how are we going to do that? The citizens in town are poisoned. The bodies and blood of the royal family, the dead Gielan clan, the five region houses, they're all tainted with the same poison. And Emma's like, well, Donna Gilder in town. Mujiga and Sandra are here. They can try and keep the damage to a minimum. So we're going to split up. Ray and I will remain here to help the town. Norman, you return with everyone to protect the base. Norman's like, all right, let's do it. They start to move Barbara, uh, who is not dying yet. Uh, and they're going to move out. Uh, they're trying to figure out how the Imperial soldiers learned about the, the location of the base. And Norman starts to say something, but then the queen gets up. Oh, my God. The top half of her head is completely gone, but she's still up. And she bears down on Norman, who doesn't see her because he's, she's behind him. Her mouth opens up. She lunges forward. And the last thing we see is Sislo screaming out, boss, before we get a black panel. Dun, dun, dun. So. Now, I appreciate that. That was... A classic. You think the horror monster is dead, but they get up and strike at you when you least expect it. And that's a trait that's hard to see nowadays. You know, too many times they get up too early. They get it. You know, you get antsy. 
You're like, yeah. oh, I can wait for them to finish this conversation. I'm it's gonna pop up now. You know, it's time for the sit up spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 true art, true charactership is never on display like it is here. So uh, she's gonna go places. Unless she dies uh, here, I don't know. <laughs> Good enough chapter. Uh, explaining things, setting things up. This is what we're going to do now. And uh, hey, ended on a very unexpected uh, t- turn of yeah, she ain't dead yet. So yeah, it was a good little twist. I do think a lot of like the logic and reasoning that's been kind of argued around, like uh, it's I don't know how to describe it. It does feel very easy. Like I feel like if there were points that kind of hadn't been reached to this point, or maybe if there was more time being spent emphasizing like hey norman even if this happens there are going to be some real consequences for what you've done um but they're not i i mean maybe this is just isn't the time for it right now part of me feels like it's kind of just glossing it over maybe i don't know maybe norman just dies here and that's their way of being like oh no but he died a hero in the end or something like that this is darth vader moment or something like that but in my mind i'm like no one of those fucking goobers from the other the fucking other Lambda facility you're going to sacrifice yeah, themselves. Zazi, Zazi is facing the queen and he's just going to like come in and like chop her into 200 pieces or something like that. Like, or, or he'll be the one to get eaten or something like that. Like something along those lines will happen. Um, but yeah, like I really liked it, but there's, there's always going to be a part of me that's like, yeah, Norman really did kind of go far enough into the genocide route that it is a little hard to fully redeem him. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you can spare Papyrus, but, I mean, Sans is still going to shake his finger at you at the end. <laughs> I get that reference. I watched somebody talk about Undertale finally. Mm. Took you, what, four years? <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. And uh, it only would have done it if people weren't just... People kept mentioning... Constantly talking about yeah, it. People yeah. were just like, oh, this Dice Funk season, you guys are doing like a pacifist run or something like that. I was like, who has time for all these Undertale references and things like that? And eventually I had to look it up because it's like, Sans is in Smash? Let's see what that's all about. <laughs> Good point, yeah. You couldn't ignore it forever. Nope, eventually. Got, I mean, I still didn't play the game. <laughs> that's, that's pretty, I haven't played that's it either. Real, guys. That's, it's just probably not happening. <laughs> but uh, maybe Chris will. Spookmaster General won't. It's not a scary ah. game. There's a lot of skeletons in it. Still not a scary game, though. It's kind of weird. Hmm. All right, Nick. Let's talk about Black Clover. Page Black Clover. 224. You are cursed. Uh, this is your kind of chapter title, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, spooky curse. I wonder which one of the Black Bulls and what hideous, sinister curse they've been afflicted with. Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> Again. Perhaps, perhaps luck has maggots crawling out of his eyes or something along those lines is the curse. Probably not. Referred to in the chapter title. Uh, so the chapter opens with Yami saying there's no way that this will work because there's no way to get into the Heart Kingdom. It's a completely closed off area. They have their own unique trap spells located on the border. And if they trap any of them, we'll be fugitives over there. It will probably cause an international incident as well. So just out of the picture, we'll be able to. (laughs) Asta just raises his hand. He's like, but we've got their king under blood control magic. That's the diamond kingdom, (laughs) Asta. That's the diamond kingdom, Asta. (laughs) He's just like, I get confused about which ones we mind controlled. I just assumed all of them. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why he's not just like I don't did we forget I have a magic sword that could just cut through their traps I don't 
And also, they've got a trap expert on their squad, too. Well, they specify a little bit that they're like, oh, well, these traps are really strong. I bet even Rogue's power wouldn't be able to get us past them. So it's kind of their way of being like, I know we have like seven members of the team who are super broken, but none of them can get around us. So we had to come up with a second option. Which is Noelle being like, oh, I thought Mosa mentioned that she's been to the Heart Kingdom a while ago. That some of the exchange, uh, some of the nobles go there as exchange students. That's right. We're taking her too. Yes. Uh, so basically, uh, Yami's like, cool. Fenro and you head over there and figure it out. So Fenro and them head over to. I guess this is the Golden Dawn's headquarters. They basically just head over to Fenro's place. <laughs> basically um which i guess is like because it's weird yami's definitely saying like hey get over there whatever it's not important anyway langris is there with girl from backstory and uh he shows up and he's like hey i heard you're awake and langris is very upset because he's like not only did i almost get everyone killed i got beaten by a junior member of your brigade (laughs) Uh, my parents tried to defend me and I almost killed the king. Like, father must be furious with me right now. And they're like, well, no, I mean, you don't have to worry about that. A bunch of elves just hijacked your body. And he's like, yeah. And on top of that, I had to get saved by the brother who I've always been mocking. And he's really upset. He's like, both you and that peasant, you're insufferable. You have no talent. You take on so many burdens. I, I hate you guys. Like, I, I don't think it's going to end here. And Finro's like, hey, you know what? Starting now, I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to make Father acknowledge me. I'll become a man worthy of being the head of this house. And I'm going to be the one to make Miss Finn's fine. Finette. Finette. Finez. On. It's Ralph Fines, right? I Act. guess. Ray Fines. Yes. Ray Fines. It's Fines, because it's spelled exactly the same way. That's that's the only way I'm going to acknowledge it. So Miss It's Fines. not spelled the exact same way, but whatever. hold on, I think it is. I don't know how to spell it though, so we're gonna get Grand Budapest Hotel. Why are you doing that? <laughs> well, I know he was in that movie. Okay, so her name. Oh no, there's is... an E in there. There's extra letters though. So if there's extra letters and it still comes out to Fines, this has to be Fines. Okay, so the kanji that spell her name is uh, Finesu. So she's finesse. Okay. I guess that works too. So Miss Fines is going to be very, very. <laughs> Spookmaster Jeddo doesn't care about your spending. Uh, no, he's like, hey, you know what? I'm, so, I'm sorry if I'm being a little bit selfish here, but I'm going to make myself a man honorable for you and then bring you home. And she's like, well, be, prick, be quick about it as you can, please. Uh, so Langris like, all right, hey, you know what? I'm going to walk you out. And come here, come here, come here. As uh, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna fucking talk with you, my boy. Uh, but as they're walking out, two members of the Golden Dawn, who I don't think I we are supposed to know, they're just both women. That's the only thing that's relevant to this. Are like, oh hey, I can't believe you're up. And immediately, Fenrir starts doing his whole act. He's like, oh hey, cutie girls, you want to get some tea with me? And Langris is like, you're cursed. And. This is such a strange scenario where he's like, you're cursed, you're a playboy, you see a woman, you immediately chatter up, you're no good to begin with, you spend all your time trying to make yourself cool, you pick up bad habits, like, you know, how can you possibly date Miss Finesse when you got this hanging over you? Like, you're you're cursed, and you have to do your best level of curse. And it's very, very strange that they call this a curse, 
and it's a chapter title when we've clearly been dealing with actual curses. Actual curses. So I don't know if the implication we're supposed to get is that there actually is some kind of like succubus curse over Finroll that caused no. him. If no. not, <laughs> it's astonishingly bad planning to like base the entire chapter on this because it's impossible not to think there's some connection when you're like everyone's saying he's cursed like and we're dealing with curse magic and only a couple characters are going on this mission to find the curse magic part like it seems really weird to just label everything this way but yeah i I don't think there is either but it's very odd so i guess that it wouldn't work because finral says to himself was breaking my curse one of the reasons behind the investigation and there's a huge note by by it that says no (laughs) so i i I guess it had to specifically be worded that way in order for that joke to work but i'm pretty sure that langris is being figurative and not literal it definitely seems so because he's sort of just like hey you know what i'm not gonna let you get your happy ending so it's a way to show that, you know, the relationship between them is getting better, but Langris is still like, hey, I'm I'm your rival now, so I'm not going to give her up kind of thing. <laughs> so when you get to the actual, like, meat of this chapter, which is uh, Noelle and Asta seeing Mimosa being like, yeah, I went there on an exchange trip with my brother when I was 13. And I do like it because we see Alexis and he's just, or Alex? Yeah, Alexis. And he's just, like, sitting there fucking, like, throwing fucking flowers and shit into the air. She's just walking beside him, like, nonplussed about it. She's like, yeah, it was a really beautiful place. My brother was very flamboyant the whole time. (laughs) I love that, yeah, she makes no mention of him in this, like, explaining what the place was like. And he's just there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But she mentioned, like, yeah, so, like, it's really shocking to me, the idea that devils and curses are at the heart of all this. So I don't really know. I never got to meet the princess who rules the kingdom. um, But I've heard that she's stronger than our entire magic night gate all by herself, you know? Sure, whatever. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, mm. Uh, like, she's an all-knowing mage who sees everything that happens in the kingdom. And Asta gets worried. He's like, uh-oh, is she going to be like the witch from before? But they're basically like, well, all right, we'll, we'll just apply to go be applicants and enter the country. So that's what happens. We abruptly are like, boom, we're there. Uh, so it's Asta, Noel, Finral, and fucking Mimosa is coming along on this mission the Black Bulls had to handle together uh, because they're and, exile. Oh, and, and Sacre as and- narrow. Yes. So, uh, which is weird because like F- Finral has a moment where he's like, I meet, I promised that I would not hit on girls. And immediately three really cute <laughs> girls are going on this journey. But he's, but he's words it as like, I'm going with two supremely adorable Royal babes, uh-huh. which is a, which is a descriptor. Yes. Certainly. And another cool beauty who transforms into a bird. Hey, he's being honest about it, I guess. Listen, cool beauty is one thing, but a cool beauty who can transform into a bird. Oh, that's a catch. Guys, that's a catch. get yourself a girl who could transform <laughs> into a bird. That's when you know you're really in love. Absolutely. <laughs> that bitch, all right, you may actually sometimes be careful because you might at the end of it find it like, I've just been dating a parakeet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she, sense. I thought she turned into a person at some point. But I thought it was weird. I thought it was weird when we were flirting and she kept on asking me for crackers. 
Man, I really need to apologize to that fancy dinner place I took her and she just flew around squawking and screaming. And I was like, how dare you? She's a person. You can't treat her this way. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they're in there. It, we basically get this big shot of them passing through the mist and then they go on the other side. We see the Heart Kingdom. And as described before, it's this big jungle kingdom that's kind of like nestled in naturally and they're like holy crap all the water sources in the city and the forest are all mixed together this is crazy and uh we close on the image being viewed through a magic waterfall it seems as the queen with this weird kind of water visage of a woman behind her saying ah yes the power of the clover king's dawn the clover kingdom's devil the clover king's dong <laughs> dom's devil that I would love to acquire. It's a cool shot because, you know, she's seen the throne and there is this bizarre watery visage behind her. It's uh, and uh, I really love the way that the water is flowing around uh, her and stuff. Mm. Makes her look very mystical. Exactly. I really like this chapter, actually. This like month ish stretch of Black Clover, all this build up to the journey they're going on is probably the most that I have liked it since Zora showed up. So uh, good stuff so far. I really like the character development. We're getting the slow build and stuff. And yes, Mimosa, of course, is getting roped into this thing that just the Black Bulls were going to go on. But it's justified in this in the story. It's not just like, and we need someone to help us do this. It's like, no, this is something that she has specific personal experience dealing with that no one on our team does. And we need her help to do this way because we can't just sneak into the kingdom. We actually have to go. And who better to help out in terms of going and having a relationship with other royals, but a noble who is in good standing with their family, as opposed to Noel, who is a bit of an outsider to all that stuff. So uh, so yeah, actually quite liked it. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty good. Uh, all right, so that is going to do it for weekly manga recap. Spookmaster General, yes. What manga are we going to be reading next for Halloween month? It's a good thing you asked, Satnik, because I was prepared for this. Uh, Tokyo uh. Red Hood. Tokyo Red Hood. Yes, right. which I hope is just dumb and silly. It's just going to be like Tokyo Ghoul, except instead of turning into ghouls, they turn into like Red Riding Hoods. Well, that also each other. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not super thrilled that Lolicon is one of the tags. Oh on no! <laughs> oh no! It's Arrow Girl. Are you fucking kidding me? It was in there and it was short. (sighs) But I now notice that the text was in red, which apparently means that it's a bad series. But hey, you know what? We do what we need to. The Spookmaster General with one last spook before the end of the month. Did I say Tokyo Red Hood? I, I meant uh, Van Helsing. <laughs> uh, well, let's check out Doro Hedro or whatever. <laughs>
What was your favorite chapter this week? Uh, I liked uh, Dr. Stone. I thought it was super okay. enjoyable and really fun. And I liked uh, Yozakura Family. I made no secret of that, of the entire thing. What was your uh, MVP of the week? Uh, Kinro. For that reason, I thought, uh, what a oh. great chapter for him. And I, I really appreciate how cool he looked. Oh, God. I'm not actually sure about this. I think I'm going to go with Finral because of the character development he showed. And honestly, the jokes surrounding him were also funny. Um, so there's that too. And it's nice to just show like, Hey, you know, you need to grow up a little bit and him actually trying to make the effort. It's nice when characters don't remain static and we actually can see them grow and change over time. And also his relationship with his brother is changing quite a bit. Actually, yep. that part of it was a little bit too accelerate. Otherwise it might've actually even considered languorous, but him just being like, yeah, I should try and get along with my brother now after trying to murder him. So, 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 uh, I will note that we are going to be adding Act Age and Chainsaw Man to the recap soon. Uh, apparently, this was a really great week for those because Act Age one chapter of the week and from the audience and uh, Riku Ogami, who uh, I'm not sure who that is from the series. It's not the main character, is it? Might be a new character. I don't know who Riku Ogami is, but Riku Ogami won a uh, character MVP from the audience. Okay. You know, we could easily just find a different one, you know? It could just be a, a, a wacky Spookmaster General prank. It's, there's nothing that's short. What is this? Trailer? No, hold on, that's another... <laughs> I was like, what about this one? Devil Ecstasy! Uh, men die from having their dicks suck. Oh, it's another one that's in red. <laughs> there's no short ones! I don't feel like thanking or expressing gratitude to anyone, so goodbye. All right, goodbye, everybody. Spookmaster General out.